Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. One, two, three. Boy, that was so bad I missed my own hands. <laughs> Anita, do you think we're going to make it through this today? I don't know. It's windy again, too. It's snowing. And windy. I'm confused. We look amazing. We do. We look like trolls. You should actually see the rest of me, Mel, because I'm wearing a dress. And then I put a sweatshirt on top of my dress. And then I put pajama pants under my dress and then big socks because I'm freezing. Oh, my gosh. Because you're a poor widow and you probably don't have heat. That's right. We, we only can heat our house with coal here. Young widows. The widow coil can only <laughs> use the coal bucket. The widow shore is having a migraine right now. And my outfit is like my migraine podcasting situation. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. but She's like in a dark room in a dark sweatshirt. It says, a... don't touch me with a cactus. <gasps> I won't. And I'm on Zoom. Cat leggings. My headphones are over my hoodie. We are a pair today. Holy cow. Yeah, and my son is in the room with me, and I am not even making him leave because I just can't even. He poured out all the cinnamon onto the counter this morning. He's been giving you an extra run for your money, I think. Uh, Especially this no. week. Are you Okay. Do you need to talk no. about it? I've been worried about no. you. Okay, it's so stressful. And so so this week, 
If you guys follow me on Instagram, you guys know all of this stuff already because I write about my every single day on Instagram. But this week, um, we have had these weird temperatures where it was like 60 degrees one day and then 20 degrees the next day. So the other day, my number four, my fourth child, my four-year-old, put on his shorts and went outside and it was like mm, 37 degrees. And... I was just doing my thing, and then there was a... Hey, go away. You can't talk that loud. Um, He came running back inside my house, and right after he ran inside the house, there was this, like, knock on the door. I said, what did you do? And he was like, it's a police officer, or it's a policeman. So, oh, I want to throw up. So I went and answered the door, and... I'm so mad at myself because now I have all sorts of things I want to say to the police officer, but I didn't say any of them. I just was confused and, you know, he's like, how long has he been out there? And he's, feel his toes. It's too cold for him to be outside in this temperature and somebody passing by. I am recording a podcast now. Well, then say you're sorry. I can't do it right now because I'm recording a podcast and poor Mel is going to die because her head hurts and so we can't take too long. So go away. (laughs) No! Go away. Go watch Star Wars. There's a bag of chips on the table. Go eat that. That worked. Anywho, so he gave me like... A grilling, and then he wrote my information down and my son's information down, and I'm just like, <sighs> my heart was just like pounding, and I was so stressed about it. And then I went to counseling with my other son later in the day, and I was telling his therapist about it, and he's like, "Listen, Anita, we have so many kids that we treat that should be taken away from their parents, and they're not. So I don't think you have anything to worry about. I don't think anybody's gonna come and try and take your kids away from you." And I'm like, I know, but it still feels so stressful when there's like this judgment about something that really is not that big of a deal. I think all they need to do is talk to both Karens from Canada and they'll be like, what, 37? That's totally short wearing weather with no shoes. Ask Tico because he apparently wore shorts all the time on the hockey rink. But here's the thing, too. Is that it was it was not my neighbor, it was somebody who doesn't know us, because if it was somebody who knew us, they would know the situation and they would have just texted me or yelled at him to go inside. But this passerby called the police, and then when the police showed up, he ran right inside. So I'm like, obviously he wasn't in that much danger because he just ran inside, so he wasn't lost. He knew where to go. Did they say they were trying to be helpful? Because that's not being helpful. That's they said that they were worried about his his, you know, well-being in too cold of weather with no shoes on. I have a story. I have a family member who was widowed and his wife had just died after giving birth to twins. And they had five kids. And one of the twins was special needs, like one pound when he was born. So it's like, here is this guy who's just lost his wife. He has five kids. One's in the hospital. He's trying to make sure he's staying alive. And anybody that's had kids, even me, I don't, I haven't even had kids. And I know this, it's like, you can't keep an eye on them at 100% of the time, right? Because sometimes right. they slip out. Well, this happened and the cops got called. I think because he was a guy and not a mom, they went a little bit yeah. harder on him. A single parent that is a guy. Because the people in the neighborhood didn't say, oh, can't, how can we help you? They just did the same thing. They called <laughs> DCFS. 
And it actually made it so it was so bad for them over time that they had to get out of the area and move because they're like, we're going to take away your kids. It was intense. It was like a couple years sort of a thing. So I think you're going to be fine. And kind of I'm like, you should come take my kids like for a week or so. That'd be fine. Can this just be a PSA? Anybody that knows people that are jerks, go tell the jerks to stop being jerks. And if you see some kid with no shoes on in their driveway and it's cold, tell them to go inside. I don't know. I don't know what the person tried to do and ask him, you know, where he lived or who his mom was. So I don't really know. I mean, they might, I'm sure that they were trying to do what they thought was right. Like, I don't have any anger against them, but I'm sort of like to the police officer, like, just say, here's your kid. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't need to be like a a read me my rights and make it seem like I'm being super neglectful because anybody who has kids knows that they make poor decisions and it's not like you can always, so this, the rest of the week I've been like, nobody let him outside. (laughs) Except for he went outside today and then brought a bunch, a shovel full of snow back inside. Oh, my gosh. Anita. How, I know. And then oh he dumped gosh. out all the cinnamon. How are the fish doing, though? Because last week it was the fish. Yeah, the fish are, their bowls are getting cleaned out right now, actually. But he dumped out, he dumped out all the fish water conditioner. So we have to get their water ready the old-fashioned way, which is just like to let it sit out for 24 hours. I don't know anything about fish, you guys. I can't even adopt fish legally. That's Yeah, that's why they won't sell to you, because you don't know. Um, Guess what else I did this week at Mel? What? I painted. You painted and you had the cops at your house. <laughs> yes. And when I said I, when I say I, I mean I had lots of help. My friends came and helped me paint because it needed to happen so bad, but I could not stand the idea of making our life be chaos. And it has been terrible to be in chaos I can't believe how awful it makes me feel when things can't be in order, you know, like it can't be because the couch is all moved into the middle of the room and, you know, stuff like that. But it's painted and it looks amazing and I'm so happy with the results and I still have everything to put back together. You're doing life. Doing life in quotation marks. Doing is loosely termed. And life is also (laughs) loosely termed. (laughs) But guess what is super cool? What is super cool? If you are in our Widow Wives Club, we have special tumblers that are available. Yeah, those are fun. Aren't they awesome? So if you're a widow, join our Widow Wives Club on Facebook. It's the private group. You have to be a widow. Or a widower. And answer all the questions. And if you would like to see this amazing tumbler, join. And we are keeping it open until October 30th. So if you get to this episode a week late, Sorry. You're out of luck. Yeah. Our designer that made the tumblers, she is generously donating a portion of the proceeds to Widow Charity, which may be helping us to send our bingo prizes to people or sending flowers (laughs) to a widow indeed. Who knows? Also, our widow shirts are up on MrCoilsMustache.com. And there's... No, I don't need that off. Why? That's supposed to be on. Why? Because that makes it so my... S's don't sound like terrible. I, we have a guest right now, but not a for real legit guest, just a four-year-old guest. Is he wearing shorts? Can you say hi? S, 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 hi, hi, hi. Yes, hi. he is wearing hi. shorts. Hi, hi. 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 Okay, now go away. <laughs> now he's, do you hear him saying S, 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 S? 
Okay, so mugs, shirts, Patreon. Yeah. We're we're going to add a new Patreon level, guys. Guess what it's called? It's The Dead Husband. Yes! <laughs> we're hoping we can get at least one Dead Husband Patreon. That would, like, make our life great. But it's going to be... It's going to, it's going to, you're going to have to be really supportive to qualify for the dead husband. Yes. But in return, you get all the cool things, including a dead husband t-shirt that Anita's going to make. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get working on that And now. you will get random surprises throughout the year. In addition Ooh. to a shout out, all of the things that the widow wife covers and the widow Bessie and the widow friend. So if you want to be our dead husband, please sign up because <laughs> we're having a hard time without our dead husbands. Anita might go to jail, so we need you. Yeah. Don't let me go to jail. So that's patreon.com slash WWDN. Cool. Anything exciting happened for you this week, Mel? Yeah. My, two of my dogs almost died. <gasps> I didn't know that. I know. I didn't tell you because I already knew about your situation. What happened? The dog named Scotty that I named after dead husband Scott, he aspirated something. So I was worried that he was going to get aspiration pneumonia and he just sounded like a honking goose over a few days and it was really scary. So I took him in and they did chest x-rays and I was like, please don't die because I cannot have two dead Scots within three years. So turns out he's on some meds now. He's doing a lot better, but it sent me into a panic spin for a whole day because I was like, death is upon us again. How will I do this? So I took drugs. It was great. And then last night, my new little puppy, she got a hold of a mint that had been left on the floor somehow, and it had xylitol in it, and xylitol is toxic to dogs. Very toxic. Anyway, I made her throw up, and I got it out. But luckily, we escaped death twice this How do you week. make a dog throw up? You get a syringe with hydrogen peroxide in there, and you put in, it's like a what? teaspoon per five pounds of body weight, shove it in their throat, and then they throw it up. It's actually... Yeah, I would throw it up, too. Like an emergency to remedy. Me. So... Yeah. Also, I would punch you in the face. I know. She tried. So. <laughs> she tried, but then she doesn't have any hands. Other than that, things are fine. I feel like it's, what is it, Mars is in retrograde or something? And in the U.S., the election is a nightmare and there's corona and all this stuff. And I feel like this week has been just strange energy-wise for everybody. Yeah. So I hope for and a better it's week. snowing and windy. Yeah. Yes. So basically you spent a million dollars at the vet this week too. Yep. Except I didn't have to go to the vet with the puppy because I got her. Because you shot yeah. hydrogen peroxide. But. Um, special note, don't use hydrogen peroxide in wounds. This is a PSA. Okay. For all you people. But you can, I guess, shoot it in your dog's mouth. Yeah. If you need him to barf. Yeah. And save their life. Oh, Mel, we're kind of like downers today. We're like, blah, 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 blah. But guess what? Here's my win. I have pet insurance. And so I won't have to pay a whole million dollars, just a half million dollars. Just like your deductible, your pet Whatever deductible. Whatever it is, yeah. So that's good. And I've been working really hard on my online piano course stuff. I don't have anything to show for it because if I feel like it takes 8 million months to get started, but someday I will have something to show for it, even though I've been working eight hours a day every day. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. What are you going to be for Halloween, Mel? Are you going to dress up or are you just going to hide in your cave? Well, if you are curious, after the vet appointment, I went to PetSmart and I binged on pet costumes for the puppy. 
So she has a unicorn costume. So that <laughs> means that I have to have a costume too, which I have. I will be a unicorn and so will my puppy. Are two unicorns still called unicorns or then they like buy corns oh, or duo like corns? Double corn. Duo corns. I like duo corns. You guys will be duo corns. Hmm. Double corns. Double corns. Yeah. I'm going to be a double corn. With your doggy. Oh, that's fun. If, if she doesn't eat any other xylitol this week. Yeah. Halloween is weird this year. Everybody on Facebook in my neighborhood Facebook groups are like, who's doing Halloween this year? I swear it's the only question that gets asked right now. And then everybody answers the question and then everybody asks it again. Who's doing how are we going to do Halloween? And there's uh, houses in our neighborhood that have had these signs up for weeks that say trick or treaters welcome. And I've been so tempted to just stop at their house just on a random day and be like, do you mean only on Halloween or can I like now trick or treat? See, can I have some candy yeah, now? See Tell if, if you like licorice. Yeah, I would take almost any candy um, and see if they would give me some. But I haven't done that yet. So we'll see what Halloween holds. I told my kids we are not buying any new costumes because it's a weird year. And we have thousand costumes in a bin in the basement. So I'm just making them recycle costumes this year. And I feel good about it. I've been trying to throw so much stuff away. We have so much crap in our house. And it is... It's terrible. And going into the winter, I'm like, we need less stuff because it is becomes just too much. So if you need any crap, let me know, Mel. We're I trying can... to get rid of crap over here, too. <sighs> Everybody. I have to go through Scott's stuff again. Oh, my gosh. So, I know. The day that you had the cop situation. Yes. It was 10 minutes after that that I had the first emergency dog situation. Really? That's why I didn't tell you. It was like, boom, boom. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. See, we're so in sync. It's because we're widow wives. And I'm telling you what, that I even used the word triggered about that. Because... I saw. That's when, big for you. I know. When the police come to my house, I just... It's happened once before somebody dialed 911 at my house, although I don't think they did i just wanted to sit on the floor <laughs> like they like opened the door and i'm just like i gotta sit down but i didn't but still thinking about it makes me feel really icky inside so oof. Oof. well you much. made it i know maybe this week will be amazing i hope so you know what's gonna be amazing actually what our next guest oh I know. i'm so excited you guys He's so fancy you guys have to keep listening to hear our guest because it's going to be amazing. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're a couple of downers today, but we're also widow wives and we're two widows trying to figure out widow we do now. That was bad. You know what? We're, we're two widow wives figuring out which hoodie are we going to wear tonight. <laughs> it's time to shout out our widow supporters. Yay, Patreon. Thanks, you guys. Our first one is the older sister, Marjorie Lewis, Wendy Black, Ashley Hahn. Next, we have Kara Scara, Jenny Taylor, my mother. She didn't want you to say anything. <laughs> no, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay, then my mother. <laughs> you guys, Sylvia. our moms are still supporting us. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the Winehouse, aka Karen from Canada. Rachel Barbosa, Ileana Bell, Anna Tracy, Gabe Lozano, Erin Posick, Jenny Barrow, Christine Anderson, Diana Becker, Sarah Morris, and David D. 
David Kelly. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate your support. Thanks Thank for you. being so rad. Boom. And if you want to be our dead husband, let us know. Or you know someone wants to be our dead husband, <laughs> go to Patreon. <laughs> This is a special day, a special, special, fancy day. We've been waiting for this day for many a day. We've been waiting for this day for many a day. That's many days. I am dressed in my fanciest jacket that I could find today. It's actually not that fancy, but in honor of how fancy this is. <laughs> and I'm in a t-shirt. <laughs> Look at this, though. You know that you know the pattern called hound's tooth? Yeah. This is called cat's tooth. Look at it. Oh my gosh. You can't appreciate that from a distance. I did not wear my show clothes that have sequins and things on them because it would be too loud and you would all hear it and it would be super annoying. But Oh, because it would be like... Yeah. All the time. Anita, yeah. would you like to introduce our guest? The fanciest of the fancy. Yes. The fancy lady. How do you? E- how does one even go about introducing somebody so fancy? I don't know. So- <laughs> That's why you're doing it because this is very special. Our guest today is named Joy Kirsch. Did I say it right, Joy? You did. You said it beautifully. Okay. Perfect. And Joy, actually, her minion, I don't know, her assistant emailed us a while ago to get in touch with us. And from then on, we started calling Joy the fancy lady because we don't have assistants to, you know, contact people. And we met with Joy. We chatted with her a little bit and we just loved her even from the get-go and she has embraced her fancy lady title even though she laughs and chuckles at it a little bit. Joy, you want to tell us a little bit about you, where you are coming to us from and who you are? Well, I am coming to you from the mudroom of my home. Doesn't exactly reflect much fanciness. Um, If you could see, I mean, I did bring a bouquet of flowers from my kitchen down to the mudroom for this special event, but in reality, you will not see what else is happening in here, but there are some gardening supplies. It is where I do my workouts, so it kind of shames my title. No, nothing will shame your title. I do want to live up to it. I'm from Dallas, Texas, and all the widows in Dallas are very fancy. It's not just me. Really? It's a competitive world out there. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But I have a question. So if there's like a tier system of fancy, are you at the top? Oh, I don't think so. Mm -mm. I could show you a lot of ladies in our group who definitely beat me in this category. Tell us how you came to the world. Give us the quick and dirty synopsis of how you became a widow, if you would. Well, it is kind of a dirty synopsis, if you must. Um, I met my husband when I was 26. Um, So I was late to the marriage game relative to some. um, And by 30, I was widowed. So my handsome husband, whom I met at work, was really my just my dream boat. And it was a, a pretty quick decline for him. I found out that he suffered from some depression that I didn't know about. And um, yeah, by 30, uh, he was deceased. He committed suicide, which of course comes with its own complications and shame. But um, that is how my journey started, or at least my new journey. Unfortunately, you are in the widow club, obviously. Sorry about that. 
but we're glad to know you. And you qualified for the Young Widow Club. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what it was like for you to be so young and be widowed? Oh, well, as you all know, you don't have much of a peer group to turn to. Um, So you're pretty much trying to figure it out all by yourself. And it's complicated. Death is always complicated. It's one of the most complex things that we will ever go through, perhaps the most complex. And you don't have anybody to turn to because not only have they not gone through it, but in the case of a suicide, it's even more difficult than other situations to talk about for some people. And so your friends can avoid you. And that's really painful on top of the pain you had already experienced. That sucks. (laughs) One of my migraine doctors, actually, his daughter committed suicide at the age of, I think, 17 because Mm. of debilitating migraines. And, And I was a patient of his at the time that Scott had died. Like, Scott was also his patient, too. And I remember having a really bad grief day. And I asked the doctor, I go, how do you deal with this stuff. It's so hard. And I know that you're in a different boat because it's suicide. Um, and there's a lot that goes along with that too. And he goes, you know, I had I had friends that just stopped talking to me. I had neighbors that would start, instead of like walking in front of our house with their dog, they would cross the street only in front of my house and then cross back because they didn't want to talk to me. I had people tell me that my daughter was going to hell because, you know, all this, all these things that I'm sure a lot of people that have suicide in their lives have dealt with. And, and I'm like, how do you deal with that? And he goes, you know, first of all, you have to do something active, even if it's for five minutes a day, every single day. <laughs> and I did not like that answer for me at that time because I was like, I'm tired and I have migraines. That's why I'm here. And he said, but also he goes, my daughter, my surviving daughter, uh, what we would start doing is she would go out to work every day uh, and then she created a game every time she would come back home and we would have family dinner. And he would say, she would say, okay, let's play this game of who said the dumbest thing to you today. And so they made a game out of it and and just kind of coped that way. So that's, I obviously have not dealt with uh, suicide of a husband. I only know people that have had that in their life. And so I would love to learn more about that and what you have been through if you're willing to share some of those things. Oh, I want to share. I want to play the game. I want to play my <laughs> dumbest thing because I've got like one of the best of all times, which was at the funeral. Ooh. Oh, tell us. So, you know, I'm in the front pew and I have my head down and I'm crying and I'm grieving and I'm thinking, how the heck did I get here? And it's the process where everyone's parading in front of the casket. So they're also walking in front of my pew, which is probably why I had my head down so I wouldn't have to look at all these people. And then I hear this voice whispering in my ear, and it's the best man from our wedding. And so you naturally assume that he's going to say something comforting. But what he said was, I don't know what you did. He was fine before he married you. Oh, no. That no. wins. <laughs> I want to call him bad names. Oh. <laughs> I have a question. Don't you feel like that anyway? 
I mean, even without a suicide, you're like, what could I have done? What could I have done? And it's like, that doesn't help. What did you think? What were you feeling? I mean, obviously terrible, but. Oh, well, it's so funny all these years later, like just telling the story, it still makes you tear up, right? I mean, you don't ever get totally through these things that are so life altering. And um, that still creates pain for me. And I think when we lose someone, it's not just the pain of losing that person. It's the pain of how the relationships change. I mean, we lose so much more than just the relationship with our husband. We, we lose often relationships with our friends. And those that we don't lose, they all change in some way or another, wouldn't you say? Totally. Yes, I would totally agree. And we talked a little bit about this in one of our previous episodes, how it just changes you as a person and you will never be the same person. So all of those relationships have to shift in some way or another because you have become a new person or are becoming a new person. That's what mm-hmm. I like to think of it as. So Yeah, and that can go with friends, family. We, our mm-hmm. recent episode was about in-laws and and there were a lot of comments when Anita did a poll um, among some young widows where it was like, hey, I'm changing. Please accept what I'm changing into. I don't know what it's going to be, but right. you know, it's, everybody's morphing and it's just so right. hard. But guys, I have an idea. What if we play Widow Bingo? <laughs> That's our game someday. We can do like online Zoom bingo of who said the worst thing and then we can play bingo. <laughs> If you ha- if you got that said to you, you get to put a little piece. Yeah, we'll like and- gather the worst phrases ever, make some cards, and email <laughs> them out, and then play the game. That's that's so hard though. Did you feel <sighs> um? Did you feel like the shame that went along with suicide made it more isolating for you to grieve? I know this is going to sound funny, but for me personally, I think it made it more isolating for other people. Okay, because. His suicide, although it was a surprise, it's not in some ways in that you know that that is one of the outcomes of depression. And he and I had struggled with that for several years. And, you know, we've done the counseling thing. And so for me, I had had enough time to work through some of my guilt over that, you know, I, I hear other people say, I wish I could have said this or I wish I could have done this, kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Mel. But because we were trying to work through some of those issues, I had a chance to say a lot of those things. And so I don't feel like he died without me saying most of those things. And my conclusion is that you cannot ever love someone enough for them to love themselves. And that is where forgiveness has to come in. So it wasn't so much about self-isolating as it was forgiving him. Because even though I didn't feel guilty, I still felt horrible pain over his choice. And I'm the kind of person who believes that we have a right to make our own choices. And so I had to go through the process of forgiving him for making the one he did. I can't imagine ever feeling so lost and alone that that would be your best choice, but he did. And so I had to learn to forgive him for the pain that he caused me, which may sound a little selfish um, because he had the ultimate pain, I guess. 
but not so much isolating that my message was about forgiveness, I think. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But Then The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. I think it, I, I hear you. It's just heartbreaking that somebody else would be in that much pain. And also you, you kind of touched on the idea of guilt versus pain or guilt versus regret. You don't feel guilty, but it still doesn't make it easy. It still doesn't take away the pain that you felt. How long did it take you to come to terms or to forgive him for that, for that action? Hmm. Do you think? Well, I would say a few years. I mean, I find widowhood to be about fits and starts where I feel like I'll take a few steps forward and then I'll take a step back and then a few steps forward and then maybe three steps back. So um, forgiveness is something I was already working on before he died, but it, it got more complex after he did. And again, it wasn't just forgiveness of him, but it's something that we all have to go through, which is that forgiveness of other people for saying those things that are so painful because they're grieving too. And we've got to learn to forgive them for not knowing how to talk about death. And it's one of those last subjects that's kind of taboo. We still can't talk about death, especially not suicide. I don't know if I can forgive that guy for saying that to you yet. So... (laughs) It might take a little while. <laughs> Three years minimum. I just love that you have a little bit of perspective. How long has it been, Joy? I was 30 and I'm 57. So it was 27 years if I do my math correctly. <laughs> wow. So you have a lot of distance and a lot of insight. Oh, I love it. Well, we, I think you're like our widow. Emeritus. The widow emeritus. Okay. You are the widow emeritus. You are the president. <laughs> Of our club. <laughs> the only member. <laughs> <laughs> See, look how fancy she is, everyone. <laughs> Did you find that your husband's entire life was boiled down to the way that he died? Did you feel like people kind of labeled him and that was that was it for him and they forgot about him as a person and as a human? You are so insightful, Anita. And- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever said that to me before. <laughs> Vice president <laughs> of the Emeritus Club. Um, you know, I think for people who knew him a long time, that wasn't the case. But I did certain things to keep his memory alive. And that would be the memory of his stuff that was all about him as a person, not about him and death. 
because I didn't want him to be defined by that last awful moment of his life or judged by that. And often I think it's harder with new people who didn't know him because there's that automatic question of how did he die? When people find out you're a widow at such a young age, they automatically ask, how did he die? And I don't know about you guys, but it took me a long time to figure out how to answer that without saying, well, none of your business. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't seem like the appropriate answer either. You, You really have to start thinking through how to address that because People are just curious, but it, they don't recognize that that can be a painful question. So I really did want to redefine him afterwards as being more than about his final act. And that was part of the forgiveness too. But I think we have to understand that not only are our friends grieving the loss, but total strangers just don't know how to react. So it's up to us, unfortunately, the people who are grieving, to get a handle on that. And, and I call that part of my learning to fall up. Oh, what does that mean? Uh, well, I don't know if you guys have, have heard of uh, Sean Aker and the happiness advantage, but he's one of my favorite authors that I read not too long after Larry's death. And he talked about when we go through something traumatic, we have a choice of either falling down or falling up. And as I read that, I thought, okay, this is really up to us. We've got to drive this process. And I wanted to fall up instead of falling down. So I think that that forgiveness part is um, a part of that. And I think also just retraining our brains because our brains tell us when we have this traumatic loss, that we're going to stay in the same place forever. Um, We think that things are never going to get better. So I think an example of that is when I work with a lot of young widows, I hear them always talk about this fear that they're going to leave their children as orphans. They want to buy hand raised right here. Did you guys? All right. So I felt that for sure. Like this fear of, Ooh, anyway, sorry. Continue. So I mean, now you might look back at that and think that's not really logical, but from an emotional standpoint, that is exactly what a mother goes through, right? She wants to protect her children. So I find my widowed clients are wanting to buy additional life insurance. They're wanting to redo their wills again, even though that may not be the most urgent issue facing you in your head. It is right. Because you feel like where you are now is where you're going to be forever. Can I, can I tell y'all one of my favorite quotes? Yes. I I may be digressing, but um, I I love it. It's totally allowed. Okay. It's kind, of, it's kind of long, but I'm going to read it to you because I've got it in front of me. When we walk to the edge of all the light that we have and take a step into the darkness of the unknown, we must believe that one of two things will happen. There will be something solid for us to stand upon or we will be taught to fly. Whoa. It's so true. I love that. I love that. It's an anonymous quote, but I'm sure it was written by a widow. It has to. Mm. 
I do feel like that in my life all the time. It's like you're just stepping forward into the darkness and you don't know what's coming or how you're going to do it. And then you look back and you're like, somehow we did it. We did this thing. I remember somebody, one of my friends texting me and my response, it was right when Scott died. And and I just said, I don't know how to do this. She's like, well, you're going to figure it out. And it's so true. It's like you have no, you can't, you can't tell where you're going to be in a month or a week or a year or like 30 years or anything. And then you look back. I mean, and we're only what? I'm almost three years out. Anita, you're almost two years out. But Joy, you're 27 years out. And it's like, you've done so much in your life. And even in our short widowhood journey so far, there are things that I never would have imagined doing. We wouldn't have had a podcast, right? We wouldn't know how to help other people. And I, so I love that quote so much because there are things that you just can't even think about being able to do. And then somehow you're taught to do them. And that goes in the category of flying. I remember right in the aftermath when I was just really trying to process and even now to try and imagine my life in 30 years is like, it makes my brain start like sparks start flying out of it. But I remember the first time, and I think that this is kind of the same as falling up. The first time I heard about post-traumatic growth and the fact and the idea that you could take something traumatic and it could make you a better person And that was so eye-opening. I just thought, really? And I just wanted to hang on to that with every piece of me, that this is going to be something that makes me better, that I'm going to grow from this, that I get to improve. And I've kind of hung on to that ever since the idea that this is going to make me a better person or it's going to add to my life in some way where I only felt like it could subtract from my life, but that maybe in 27 years, I'll look back and see the things, the ways I was able to fall up, hopefully, instead of falling down. Yeah, that's um, Kelly McGonigal's body of work, which is fascinating to me that I think we hear so much about stress and how it harms us. And we don't hear as much about you stress, which is the good stress, which is that post-traumatic growth. and I think that's what I mean by falling up is that if we can find our purpose and not necessarily, you know, people always said to me, oh, you'll understand someday why this happened. Well, I have to tell you, I still don't (laughs) understand why it happened, but I I do see some of that post-traumatic growth in my life. I do see some of the silver linings that have come out of this for me um, and all the places it's taken me and all the things that I've learned how to do that I wouldn't have otherwise learned how to do. So I can't wait for 27 years from now when I look at you young ladies who have matured on and see how you've learned to um, fall up because this podcast is part of your doing just that. Oh, it's true. <laughs> hand you the crown oh, of yeah. the Widows Emeritus Club. It'll be such a wonderful <laughs> ceremony. I want a sash too. I would require, <laughs> I, I want a fanny pack. Wait a minute. A sash, a crown, and a fanny pack? Where are we going? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know the widow brain. (laughs) This is how it is. You had a question. 
I was just going to say, we're like rocks. We're like jagged rocks in a rock tumbler that's just getting polished. And it's like over and over and over and over. All the bumps and everything, like we're getting polished. We're going to be diamonds. It feels like um, the dryer, the tumble cycle of the dryer. Yeah. The tumbler on the rock. Yes. So is that how we I, get polished is by turning upside down and sometimes feeling like we're going to vomit? <laughs> Pro- probably or or like a roller coaster <laughs> when we were first contacted by your fancy assistant we did some research on you and were so blown away by all of the things that are available to like stalk you online with. <laughs> no, so <laughs> anyway so talking <laughs> kind of going in that vein of talking about what you've been able to do since this traumatic and tragic event in your life. Uh, We know you've worked with a lot of widows. We know that you have clients that are widows. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your experience and what led you to work with widows and all those other things? Well, um, certainly. It's like my favorite topic in the world, strangely enough, to be the (laughs) widowhood. Um, (laughs) But I... I would say that widows have become uh, my vocation and my avocation. So I was already a financial planner when Larry died. And so I had worked with other widows. You'd think I would know a thing or two about widowhood. But what actually going through the process taught me was that I may have known all the technical stuff. I had my degree in economics. I had my certified financial planner designation. But I didn't really know about the personal and emotional process of widowhood and grieving and how that really affects every single decision of our lives. And so as I moved through that and felt like I didn't really have any training in that with all my training, um, being the curious sort that I am, I went out to learn more about grief and grieving and how it affects our decisions. And I found the Sudden Money Institute, which is a think tank that partners with people like me in the financial services profession to understand life-changing events. So I really became a student of that and have since um, changed the direction of my career so that I am working strictly with helping widows get through this traumatic event. Um, obviously it has a lot of financial consequences and we want to address those because we don't want widows to become part of those statistics of um, the retired poor in our country, which are primarily female and often widowed. So I want to help women get through this period financially, but also personally and emotionally. And so Through my work as a certified financial transitionist, which is such a mouthful, but is basically that. (laughs) That's why you're fancy. Yes. (laughs) Because I can say these things without stumbling. (laughs) Certified financial transitionist. That makes me really (laughs) fancy. Um, Not to mention getting through through the program, but that's really what led me to, to changing my career, to adapting my career, to supporting widows to get through this process. And so that has been an absolute delight and a blessing to me. But what I found is that I couldn't provide all the support to widows that they needed just as their financial advisor. And I also found that most people who seek out a financial advisor have a certain net worth and a certain 
complexity of problems. And I felt like the lessons that I learned about grief and decision making and how it affects our whole mind, body, person was really something that every widow needed to know, not just people who had financial problems. So as a result of that and part of my falling up, if you will, um, I decided to create a nonprofit entity and it's called The Widow's Journey. Can I tell you a little bit about it? Yes, and this is actually when we realized you were even more fancy because <laughs> there's information about this online and it, I was so blown away. So please tell us all about it. Oh, it is such an amazing group. Um, the Widow's Journey is a nonprofit with three missions. It wants to provide widows with education about the journey. It wants to introduce her to professional resources in her community, whether that's um, attorneys or doctors or someone to help you get your house remodeled or a good realtor to help you get your house on the market. Or we bring in um, nutritionists to talk about eating right and how grief affects our physical body. Um, so that whole process of education and introducing her to peer support uh, to um, professional resources, excuse me, but also the peer support is the third part of our mission statement because what I found in my community is I went through grief support, which was this eight-week program put on by one of the local churches. It was amazing, and I remember coming out of that eight weeks of grief work and looking around at the other people as they were leaving that I had bonded with over the last eight weeks. And I'm like, okay, well, this was really good, but what's next? I didn't feel healed. I was wanting to know what I did next. And I researched it and found out that there was no what's next in our community. And I live in Dallas, Texas. It's a very large community. And yet there was no what's next. So I basically wanted to start a what's next so I could bring widows together to share our experiences, to learn from each other, to learn from people who have gone through this before us. And that's what the widow's journey does. And the peer support, the, the ideas that come from the other widows, the bonding that comes with that whole process of being brought together is really what makes this group so special. How long ago did you form the group? We started meeting in 2012. So it started in okay. 2011, and we've been having monthly meetings since 2012. So we bring in um, a professional speaker during the school year. And in the summer months, we typically just do social events where we're getting together and going to a concert in the park or we're having dinner together. It obviously, pre COVID. Little different in COVID right now. You know, we're um, having happy hours virtually. Um, yeah. But the, the social part is so popular that now we do that um, during the school year as well. We try and do something. Uh, we just had a dating coach come and talk to us. That was very popular. Yes, do you come for that? I, I can get uh. you recording of that. That sounds scary. <laughs> scary. And that was one of the first questions yes. she asked is, how do y'all feel about dating? And everyone had to throw out their adjective. And there were probably 35 people on the call, and they each came up with a different adjective. It's amazing how many ways we can say the word scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would love to hear all of those. That sounds very interesting. 
so I was the widow emeritus I, again, I guess, since I have repartnered, you know, I walked down the aisle again. I have a very special guy in my life. So I was the, uh, the widow emeritus on that call as well. <laughs> um, so I'm just trying to like in my brain do the timeline. You didn't start the widow's journey for many years after you were widowed. And I kind of love that. Because I feel a lot of times, like, we feel that we need to do something right now. Mm. And I kind of love the idea that you've had this longer track record and you can show that it doesn't have to be right now. You can still make a difference. You can still do something and you don't need to feel this pressure that if it doesn't happen now, then you failed. I feel that. I feel that sometimes in my life that it's got to happen right now or, you know, never Oh, totally. I thought that I like had to start a nonprofit like one month out after Scott's death. And it was like, okay, really, actually, all I need to be doing is surviving, I think. But yeah, I like that comment, Anita. That's so true. I always think about the airlines telling us that we have to put our own mask on first before we help the person sitting next to us. And yeah. I think that's true about widowhood. We have to survive. And um, I think about a lot of widowers, more so than widows, statistically speaking, but also widows often jump into their next relationship because there's that fear of being alone. And yet I will tell you that the years that I was alone were so interesting and fascinating and post-traumatic growth uh, because we don't have to be anyone's wife or daughter or anything other than figuring out who we want to be next. And um, as strange as it may sound, I look back on that time so fondly um, and think it, I wouldn't be as good in this relationship if I hadn't gone through it. I love that. I feel that right now where it's like there's no pressure to be, like you said, to be somebody's wife or, or any of those things. And and because everybody in your life knows that you're grieving, it's almost like, well, for the most part, they kind of give you that space to be like, oh, I understand why this person needs some space. And so I'm enjoying just hanging out with my dogs. I love that you said that. <laughs> Are you trying new things? Like I, I took a pottery class and I did um, a foreign language and I really was trying to rediscover what it was that was fun and interesting to me before I was married. Have you guys done any of that? Yeah, I've been really interested in plants, which I never was before, indoor house plants. I'm learning how to propagate them. I've learned how to like redo stuff on the walls. So I've been doing like yeah, wallpaper sorts of things. And and also um, in my situation, I was in a bad car accident before my husband died. And so I've had traumatic brain injuries, like three of them <laughs> over my lifetime. So they've compounded. It's forced me to take things in smaller bites. And I'm finding that I'm actually even more productive with a more broken brain in this new way of doing things than I was before the car accident and before the death because I can't rely on my multitasking anymore and I can't rely on my emotions being stable all the time. And so it's forced me to like do these things. Um, and so I'm creating online courses, like actually starting the podcast and learning all the ins and outs of just how to produce one and how to record one and get it out there and and getting guests and all that stuff. That's part of my journey too. So it's really 
interesting. And every so often I just think, I don't think I would be in the spot mm-hmm. if I hadn't had this tragedy happen, which was so horrible. Yeah. But look at all these good things that are coming from it. So it's interesting. That's falling up. So I, I want to interview you now because I'm curious. <laughs> Um, are you finding that because you can't trust your brain to pay as much attention, you can't trust yourself to multitask, that you're allowing yourself a certain amount of time that you're like, okay, this is the time I'm going to work on this and I'm going to work on this and only this. Yeah, is that definitely. I have always had the ability to hyper-focus and I'm slowly getting that back. Like even just the last few months, I've gotten that part back where I'm starting to care about some things more. Like before I was just like, everything sucks. Everything's stupid. But I am able to to kind of block everything out because I can only focus on one thing now. Unless it has to do with music. It's super weird. The one thing that did not break when Scott died and when I had that car accident is uh, my multitasking within my music skills. So for example, if I were conducting a group of musicians, like I still can compartmentalize and multitask with like 80 different musical parts going on at once and like be like, oh, that note's wrong, that note's wrong, that note's wrong. Can you bring that up? That never broke. That actually got better. But every single other thing, every single thing in my entire life, um, kind of went the other way. And so I have to write little tiny notes down at all times. I just, I basically take notes on my life all the time and set reminders. It's interesting. Yeah, that's a great, a great resilience tool. And it's interesting because you're talking about one of the characteristics that is very common with widows, uh, which is the fractured focus. So I love working with widows because you're going to see these common characteristics, but they're often opposing. Like sometimes you'll have someone come in and she'll be very fractured focused, which is what you've described. And then you'll have another widow who's very hyper focused where she can only think about one thing and she can't do anything else until she gets that one thing taken care of. Um, I have a, a lovely story about a widow whose accountant called me because she wasn't making progress on getting her tax return filed. And when I met with her, I figured out the problem was she didn't know what to do with her husband's ashes. She was just so traumatized by having them and wanting to get rid of them. And so the accountant didn't have the patience or the understanding to know that you have to address that item with her first because whether or not it's important to the accountant it's important to her and so as it turned out um, her husband was a big golfer and we had to sneak out into the golf course like late at night to spread these ashes um because you're not supposed to do that (laughs) kind of thing um but that's ours our secret right and um and when you get caught you just say oh it's just me and my financial planner over here breaking the law it's fine throwing throwing ashes and yes yeah there's (laughs) got to be some clause that lets you out of that but you know once she got that addressed she could go get her taxes done it wasn't a big deal i mean we often in grief get very hyper-focused on something that's not necessarily relevant. I mean, coming back to the mothers with the kids, not wanting them to be orphans, you know, I got to get this life insurance just in case my kids are orphans. So fractured focus is like the best phrase for all of that. That makes so much sense. That's me. I feel like I'm living in a circus all the time. I'm like, and, and I can't even remember what I'm doing and nothing ever gets done. So when you were talking about the things that you had learned after, you know, becoming a widow, I'm like, 
what have I learned? And I'm like, I don't even think I've, I don't even think I have learned anything new because I'm just like, ah, all the time. <laughs> like I'm juggling a thousand balls. <laughs> hey, I've learned to juggle. You've learned to turn That's on the computer. True. true. I have learned some skills like that. <laughs> You've learned about audio <laughs> and that you have to mute when you eat chips. I have, I have learned a lot of things, maybe not any new skills, but I have learned a lot about life and I've learned a lot about people and I've learned a lot about myself. So it's still, I'm, I haven't failed completely. Hey, Joy, is your group only for the Dallas area? So previously, before COVID, we were just um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But now, one of those silver linings that has come from COVID for us is that we're finding by meeting via Zoom, of course, we can extend our audience. So now, The Widow's Journey is planning three new chapters, um, one in Frisco, which is north of Dallas, one in Southlake, which is west of Dallas, and one in Atlanta, Georgia. So one of these things is not like the other, obviously. Um, but we have a lot of good support administratively in those three markets. Um, my my um, financial services firm, Merit Financial, is providing great um, administrative support to help us get those chapters off the ground. And we've got a lot of ladies that are interested in those areas. So Zoom's going to let us do that. We'll be meeting um, via Zoom to get it all kicked off. And then when we can safely meet. How many person, members do you guys we'll have? kick off in those areas. So we're going to grow and extend our reach. We have about 300 members. Right. But you know, people, yeah. um, widows actively move in and out of our group, which is what we want them to do. So um, our hope is that you can transition out after you've gotten your what's next and you've moved on to the next after that. Um, so actively we have about typically 30 members at a Interesting. meeting. Whenever we do a, a social on dating, it's always more popular for some reason. Hmm. Anyone who is widowed is welcome to our Zoom programs, but once this pandemic passes, we believe that meeting in person is so much more beneficial. Now, we will probably continue to start new groups via Zoom, and so I imagine we'll continue the Zoom meetings. So absolutely, anyone who is widowed, that is your only requirement to join. We are a widows-only group. We do not include widowers. We find the dynamic totally changes when you let men in the room. Um, so we have decided to keep our um, group selectively for widows. But you can find out more about the nonprofit if I can do a little shout out to the website. It's www.thewidowsjourney.org. So it's got that little nonprofit extension, the, the org. So it's thewidowsjourney.org. And um, just if you want more information and would like to get invitations to the upcoming monthly events, then just send us an email through the um, contact us section and we will be happy to get you on that, um, that list to get a monthly invitation. We would love to have people in New Zealand and Canada and Mexico. Everyone is welcome. If you have, we'd love to have you too. Oh my gosh. You could speak to us about, following up and post yes 
Fancy to come to Dallas. We would have to get some pearls first to be fancy enough. So we just started a Patreon to try and pay for some of our stuff. And I was saying, Mel, you know, what are our priorities? And she was like hosting and, you know, paying for Zoom. And I was like, what about sequin jackets? Where is that on the priority list? And she said, I already have one. And I was like, what? I don't have one. This isn't. <laughs> this isn't okay, but do you have sequin fanny packs? I'm totally jealous though. I love the idea that you guys and this, I mean, I think this would be something that would be harder to do, except for how you've got it kind of a local situation to have mm-hmm. resources for physical and like you were saying, doctors and all of those needs that you have. Because I don't know about you guys, but I felt like when I lost Jason. I lost a lot of my ability to bounce ideas off of people and my ability to make decisions confidently. Like when I was trying to figure out what to do with Jason's 401ks and all of those things, I felt so vulnerable. I felt like, how do I trust people? How do I, and even like with car repairs and things like that, it's so, it's so hard. I feel so vulnerable to not be able to like send my big burly husband to go, you know, tell the guy to get me the tires that I want or whatever. So I'm so jealous to be able to have widow, quote unquote, widow friendly people to be able to go to. Yeah. And you, I drank from that Kool-Aid. I mean, that's what I kept hearing from widows over and over and over again, which is why we made it part of our mission statement. And we, um, we really want to build out that resource. That's part of our budgeting desires is to build out that resource on the website. Right now we have a lot of, um, when our speakers come, they'll put their handouts up on the website. But what we really want to do, well, there's a lot of things we want to do, but um, one of the things we really want to do is start a resource page of professionals who have been vetted. Because how many widows have a story about someone who take it, took advantage of them because there was no burly husband to send in, right? And so I think that is a very valuable thing that we can provide each other and that the widow's journey tries to accomplish. Yeah, and where were you when I needed somebody to deal with all these 401ks? (laughs) Yes, a huge, huge issue. I mean, we need to move the needle on the statistics of women being the retired poor in our country. So we have got to look out for each other and help each other. And that's why we want to be able to refer to professional resources who have already been vetted and care about widows and their, their journey and their needs. Um, Can I change the direction for a second? I want to know a little bit more about your chapter two, Joy, because you said that you had walked down the aisle again. So how did that happen? When did it happen? All of that. This is so corny, but we were introduced on a blind date and it was the 4th of July. And so I like to say that fireworks went off when we met. Okay. Okay. Corny. But, um, sometimes, you know, you know, things are right. Like his, his, um, birthday is the same day as my father's birthday. And my last name, Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, and his last name, Schwank, S-C-H-W-E-N-K, fit so nicely together. So we're the Kirschwanks. <laughs> That's like an onomatopoeia. Like when you shoot a basketball, it goes Kirschwank. 
Uh, exactly. I like that. So unfortunately, we're golfers, not basketball players. So could you work on a sound to go with that? Yes. Oh, I when the ball that. goes into the hole. Yeah, it goes kershwank. It really yeah. does. Oh, perfect. That gives me something to aspire to. <laughs> um, were you actively looking to find another relationship or did it kind of fall into your lap? So I don't know how some people would define this. I was certainly open. But actively looking has I don't know. It somehow has a little ring of desperation to me that I don't feel like I felt. Okay. Fair and enough. I bring this up because we just had this great speaker talk to us about dating. And I looked at all these beautiful women on this call. And when I talk about beautiful, I'm talking about inside and out. I mean, these are fabulous women who often are at a point where they're really wanting to have this in their lives. And I hope it's for all the right reasons, because I think that repartnering, partnering, I mean, I highly recommend it if you find the right person, but I also really want to encourage our widows to do the work, which is really play. You know, I don't like to talk about homework with my clients. For example, I talk about home play because this is the act of finding out who we are and what's important to us. And I think that we are all complete in and of ourselves. But often when we lose this part of us, I mean, I remember feeling like you could have cut off my arm and it wouldn't have felt much differently from losing my husband. I mean, it feels like this physical loss. And yet I think we have to become whole in and of ourselves to be ready to get into that next relationship. So, you know, I'm a financial planner. What do I know about this stuff? But um, I really want to encourage our ladies to find who, out who they are before they get into their next relationship. All that being said, I adore my second first and um, highly encourage it when the time is right and the person is right. I love that. And we've talked about this with other people too, this feeling of not needing to find somebody to make us, you know, a, a perfect person again, mm. but and I think that we'll be in a better place if we feel okay being alone too and feel like we're whole and we're worthy and we're great without having somebody else to make us that way. So dating is so it. time consuming too. I mean, <laughs> you know, you talk about not wanting to get taken advantage of on getting your car fixed. Well, I love my widows who talk about, I don't want to be a nurse or a purse. But that's, it's different when you're widowed in your 30s versus, you know, in your 60s and 70s. Um, but you got to do it for all the right reasons and you've got to find the right guy. And they're definitely out there. It only takes one. But um, yes, being whole in and of yourself, I think, is the, really the important lesson here. Quick question. It can be an aside, but... Is your widow's, is the widow's journey, it's widows of all spectrum, right? You have young widows and older widows, yes? Yes, we do. Okay. Only requirement is to be a widow. Do you have a widow wife? Like a bestie? Like Anita and I are each other's widow wives. Do you have like a special widow in your life? We're open to anything. (laughs) Well, first of all, I have my work wife whom you met, which is Heather. 
um, who really makes me look fancy when I'm truly not. <laughs> but my widow wife is truly fancy. In fact, her name is literally Fancy Nancy because we gave her that name a long time ago. So it's very, she will laugh when she hears that y'all are calling me fancy. Um, <laughs> She's certainly, she's someone to aspire to. She's definitely a fancy Nancy, but she is my co-leader for the widow's journey. She really is the backbone behind the nonprofit and it wouldn't be here today if it weren't for her, but she's also the person I get into the most trouble with. Um, she is um, so much fun and adorable and the best person you will ever meet and also looking for her next dating stage, but she's a, yeah, so we get to go through that together as well. Um, I, I can listen to her dating stories and laugh and cry with her. And, um, it's really good to have a widow wife, but don't you feel like you immediately bond with people who have been widowed too? Yes. Immediately. Actually yesterday, one of my friends died, one of my musician friends died, and he, like a heart thing, and left behind four kids, just like Anita, and they're probably about Anita's kid's age. Anyway, it's like, I I feel this, like, physical connection with a widow in a similar situation, and, like, it even makes it so I, I'm like, I need to take my drugs like I had to take drugs last night because I'm like I'm not okay and it's just like there's this part of my cells I guess that feels connected to people that have been through similar things and it's so interesting I felt like that with Anita um and like we've talked about before I think we told you this Joy Anna our listeners um we grew up seven houses away from each other and we never once spoke we were not not friends like we knew of each other sort of but it was like as soon as I heard that Anita's husband died. I knew Anita's um, husband's sister. We are the same age. I just immediately felt this connection with Anita, never have, having even spoken to her ever. And I'm just like, every day I'm like, mom, have you talked to her mom? Is she okay? And she's like, I don't know. So yeah, there's this sisterhood <laughs> and this this strange bond on another level that puts a cord between your hearts, I feel like, even though you never know each other. And we've experienced that with a lot of the members of our widow wives group it's like we feel like we know them and they're in australia or they're in canada or or somewhere and it's so amazing yeah i would say that that has been one of the silver linings in the widow's journey is when you make these friendships simply based on the worst day of your life and yet these wonderful things come out of it can i show you on my ring yeah so is it fancy? This, this ring. Yes, of course it is. It's oh yeah, it's really fancy. Um, it can you tell what it is? Is it hands? Two hands wrapping yes. around your finger? Oh, I couldn't tell that. So it's a little hug. So the widow's journey, thanks to my fancy Nancy friend, found these wonderful little hug rings. And so we sent them out to all of our wisters, our widowed sisters, because nobody wants to be a widow, right? So we made up our own word. So all of our whisters got a little hug ring in the mail with a little note that we were all in this together and thinking about each other. And um, we sent them a little packet of seeds so that they could plant something that was going to grow. And this is just one of the ways that we stay in touch 
in pandemic times. I love how creative you are with what you guys do. You have so many different facets to your organization. And that's so fun. Like you're all you're making it actually kind of fun. Like I'm jealous. I want to be in it right now. I know that's how I'm feeling too. Aren't we better together though? I mean, you know, I mean, it's just this horrible time that we can really find someone we can rely on and get through it together. And that makes it all somehow better. Just a quick question for you. I don't know like what laws and things, can you financial plan for people outside of your area or does it have to be, is it like state by state? It is a state by state thing, um, but we're licensed in almost every state. So, and if we're not, you can get licensed in that state. So that's not a problem. So we can refer people to you if they have needs like that and you would be able to help them or no? Absolutely. And now I'm part of a network of planners. So that's my new job is that I've been training all the other advisors in my new firm. So I have all these other little mini-me's and now they're going, basically they've raised their hand and said, I'm interested in helping support widows. And I'm like, not so fast. (laughs) (laughs) You you must first pass these tests. (laughs) Right. You have to get through me first. And that's so funny. Walk on these snakes. And yes. Um, so that is our goal is to build out this network of support all over the country. So we have someone licensed in every state this morning. Okay. That's amazing. I would have loved to have known about that. I wish that Scott had money that I could have that problem. You wish Scott had a 401k and life insurance and all yeah. that. You know. Yeah. Ugh. So annoying. So do you know that there are 800,000 widows created every year? Oh, that sucks for them. It's a horrible statistic. No, I'm like, you're like, yay, yes, yeah, no. I only have so many drugs I could take. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking how fascinating it would be to watch y'all's journey over the next 10 years. I mean, if y'all can just keep this up and be able to film as you grow and fall up. It's it's really going to be a fascinating study. That's kind of what we've said. Yeah, that's why we called it Widow We Do Now because we're like, we actually don't know. So it's like, uh, there is one episode where we got a bad review and the review on it said something like, all I've heard you guys talk about so far is how your lives are over, which I'm like, nope, you obviously haven't listened to anything because we're laughing the whole time. But I'm like, this is perfect. Right. This is exactly what we want to talk about of how it's like, don't tell us that we have to be okay today, right now. Let's spread awareness. And and also it's like, this is actually a real life case study that we're putting ourselves through so that every we'll, we'll be the guinea pigs. Everybody else can see what we're doing. That's why we, that's why we do have some of the chatter. Like another person was like, there's so much chatter. It's like, but the chatter is everything because. And what's going on in our yeah. heads at this point? And it's like, oh, you see that we're random. Great. It's because we have broken brains. We're letting you see that. So. Yeah, I love, I would love for it to be like a long-term thing. I would love for it just to help anybody in any way possible. Well, we hear from a lot of the people who will reach out to us that the the, the resources in their community are geared towards older widows. So they've gone to like support groups and they're like, I'm, you know, I'm 32 years old. I don't really have a lot in common with the, 
you know, the person who was married to their spouse for 40 years, there are some commonalities, but it doesn't feel as supportive because you're, you know, you are in different places in your life. So. And I think that's something that our group has done so beautifully because the older widows will really kind of mother or sister, the younger ones, but one of the things we would love to do is have um, childcare provided because we meet in the evenings from six to eight. And, you know, the widowed mothers are now the mother and the father, right? So for them to come to a meeting requires childcare. And so that's an example of something we'd like to figure out how to find resources for so that we could reach more of the younger audience. But it just makes my juices flow because I think, you know, this is what y'all are doing best. Our group doesn't have a podcast. You know, how can we work together? How can we promote yours? Because, oh my gosh, you would be so helpful. I think especially to our younger women who don't have as many resources because they can't get childcare. Yeah. To yeah. We'd love to help. Us. However. Yeah. Let's let this be the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Oh, we are just the like all the way to sequin <laughs> fanny packs that I can't even. Yes. I do want one of those too though. Okay. <laughs> I'll send you one of our crowns. You know, we have a whisper tell her story every month. So in our meeting, we have a professional speaker, but we take 15 minutes for one of our whispers to actually tell her story like you ask us to do. And when she tells her story, she gets a crown. Aww. So everybody. She's the queen widow fun. for a day. I love that yeah. it's so fun. That's yeah. what is so, even though it's sucky, it's so cool because you can craft however this journey is for you, which sounds morbid. We have to choose, right? We have to, we have to follow up and to choose post-traumatic. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you're going to be on a couple more episodes. Like, I think it's going to help so many people. And I think that the resources that you have are on your site are eye-opening and are going to help a ton of people. Do you want to share with us how people can get in contact with you if they might find themselves in need of your services or if they want to find out more about the widow's journey? Both. Okay, so that's a mouthful. We'll take it one at a time. So you can reach me at the initial J and then my last name, Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H. So J Kirsch at MeritFA.com. Okay, we'll just put that in the show notes. (laughs) Yes, can we just put that in the show notes, right? And also thewidowsjourney.org. I'm at joy at thewidowsjourney.org, which is the nonprofit. So those two are separate entities. They are not related. So if one email goes to the wrong place, it will get to the right place. Um, but the widow's journey is a separate entity being the nonprofit. So that's joy at the widow's org. That's so amazing. And we asked joy a little bit about um, some of the services that she offered and, Oh man, I wish that I would have known about her right after Jason died because my brain needed her. Um, and she actually is, um, has some resources. So even if you live in a different state, she can still help you if you feel like you need to need some of her help. Ooh, that was a mouthful. So you guys, Joy is so awesome and she has agreed to come back to speak on two more episodes of our podcast. Joy, what are those two things you're going to talk about? (laughs) Well, I am very excited about coming back. And the first one we're going to talk about is the financial pitfalls you should avoid, especially in those first couple of years when we have that widow's fog 
and we're not necessarily thinking clearly. So we're going to talk about financial pitfalls to avoid. And then as you get further along in your journey, we're going to talk about how you can honor your spouse through legacy. So through gifting, through estate planning type of activities. So again, thinking about moving the needle on women and poverty and making sure that we know how to make good decisions to set us up for a lifetime of financial security. And that's what my passion is. So thank you for allowing me the chance to talk about the things that make me so happy helping widows to become financially secure and independent. Well, you are the most amazing fancy lady of all time. So we are honored to have had you. But I do have one more question. What's your favorite cheese? It sounded like it had a follow-up question. Like, what's your favorite cheese and why? Uh, okay. All right. So I want listener participation in this because I'm trying to go dairy free. Oh, oh no. Yes. yes. Anita's so, kid has um, that. That. Well, Does I have a lactose intolerant have... daughter. So we are also uh-huh. having to find cheese free resources. See, you guys are such a deep well of information. <laughs> of ch- only of cheese. and fanny packs (laughs) well I will tell you that you all need to try Delice de Bourgogne that is French now only a fancy person can say that with a really bad French accent (laughs) from East Texas French Texan accent Delice de Bourgogne is my favorite cheese of all times and I can't eat it anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. What kind of milk? Is it cow's milk, sheep's milk, goat's milk? So I'm moving on to sheep's and goat's milk because I seem to be doing that a little better. And did I mention my father was a dairy farmer? What? what? So, He's rolling yes. over in his grave. Indeed. But dad, I'm so sorry. Look how long I, I, I was able to eat milk through your lifetime, but yeah. <laughs> Plus times um, are changing, a- you know, you got to get with the, the new times and cow's milk is out. Well, I just want before, you know, didn't like Oprah get sued for saying <gasps> something. She the beef. Yes. So we better watch what we say, but now we can link to Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she she'll us. help us. With widows. Yes, she will definitely be on our side. That means you need to be her friend because you are in the fancy status and we are not. <laughs> I would love to be her friend. I, I love Oprah and Deepak Chopra's meditation series that is free to all of our listeners. So that's one of the things that can help with our fractured focus brain. Hey, Oprah, call us. <laughs> yes, Oprah. One thing we know for sure, you could help us with this program. Oh, can I quote Oprah? One of the things that Oprah quotes that I love, because this is something widows need to know. This is something that Maya Angelou said to her. And she said, if someone shows you who they are, believe them. I love that. It's true of dating. It's true of all those crazy people that we end up hiring to help us with services because we just can't believe that they will do us wrong when they really don't have any good intentions. Trust your gut, everyone. Especially when it comes to eating dairy and cheese. 
and maybe you shouldn't (laughs) for so many reasons. Oh man. We hope you guys have found this episode to be really interesting and hope that you are excited to hear our follow-up episodes with the fanciest lady ever, Joy Kirsch. Please remember to look up the Widow Wives Club on Facebook and answer all the questions. We still have people not answering all of the questions, and I hate declining them because they probably are widows. But if you don't answer all of the questions, including supplying a link to an obituary, we're not letting you in. So send us a message on Facebook if you can't figure it out, and we will try to help you. And also remember to look up our Patreon so we can keep the podcast going. It's patreon.com slash wwdn and in the meantime i'm anita i'm mel and i'm the fancy (laughs) (laughs) we're just two young widows and a widow emeritus trying to figure out widow widow that was so fancy this is my favorite thing to discuss with you Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.